Mike in Montclair. What's up, Mike? Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, yeah. You put your fat ass in a car and go to hey. one that's open to all your constituents. Oh, well, you know, not just you interesting, and yours. Interesting, Mike. You know what? That what's beach, that? that? What's beach, that, Gov? You know, Mike. I love I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. Communists in, in Montclair. Montclair. You know, you're a bully, you governor, are, you know, no, and I don't what? like bullies. You know what? And listen, I'm not the one who came on the air. Hey, hold on, Mike. Mike, I'm not the guy who came on the air, swore on the air. And so you did. I, 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 the heck out yeah, of you. you know, you're swearing on the air, Mike. You're 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 a bum. You know, so you let's so let's just go, go, but, oh bad optics, okay? Mike. And I'd love to come look at your optics every day, buddy. Oh, that's you know what, and you know what, Mike. What matters is what you do. That's what matters. And what have you done? <laughs> what I just did was. practice you'll get good at including in what was it 1997 michael anil and welcome to a brand new life to a brand new day all the way from the wastelands of california my name is michael and i am a mere figment of your imagination i look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation first time listeners turn on tune in and drop out this is a different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now. On the TuneIn radio app, search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of the show. What prophetic warnings were given to Billy Meyer in 1946? Was he right about various wars and terrorism, overpopulation, and environmental dangers? We will find out. Joining me tonight is Michael Horn. He is the authorized American media representative for the Billy Meyer Contacts, which he has researched since 1979. Michael is the writer, producer, director of the award-winning new film, and did they listen, as well as the co-producer of the new documentary, As Time Fulfills, which presents an, an abundance of ironclad, prophetically accurate scientific evidence that irrefutably authenticates the Billy Meyer case. He is the writer and co-producer of the award-winning feature-length documentary, The Silent Revolution of Truth, as well as the writer, producer, and narrator of the DVD, The Meyer Contacts. The key to our future survival. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Good morning and good evening. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you to those here in America and those who listen outside of America for listening to this program. This is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in whenever your hearts desire. Just don't sit there typing away. I'd like to hear from you out there. That number is 760-332-8947. One more time. 760-332-8947. Go ahead and add me over Skype. That's end of days. Mike with the letter Y and not the letter I. Welcome back for another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Feels good to be here. As always, we have a lot on our plate tonight. The usual song and dance we see 
has plagued the mainstream media once again. In a moment, I'll be joined by Michael Horn. This is not his first rodeo here on the program. The prophecies of Billy Meyer and politics is what we will be covering here tonight. And of course, after the break, I do have a few things to say. I do hope you stick around for that. And now for your listening pleasure, Michael Horn. And my goodness, I'm not sure what happened there, but things were... I'm not sure. Maybe there is some sort of hacking going on, Michael. Oh, my goodness. Who knows? Hacks are hacking, huh? Yes. It might have been Russians. Who knows? <laughs> well, my mother was Russian. Maybe it's, she, I'm channeling her hacking abilities. I didn't know anything about it. Maybe she's hacking the, the show herself. <laughs> From the nether regions. Yeah. You never know. You never know. So, Michael... We were talking a bit of, a bit ago here about these comments left about you and about the Meyer case and how outrageous all of it really is. And I believe now you are on the page, right? Um, I can get right there. Hold on. I was just there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm on that page. If there's anything there that you'd like to particularly, um, you know, address, Please. Well, there's nothing uh, exactly that I would want to go over. I just was curious if you had seen any of this here. It's just, again, outrageous stuff. You know, Michael, here's the thing that gets me. Here's Billy Meyer, a now 80-year-old man. He's done nothing to hurt anybody. He's asked for nothing from anyone. He doesn't ask and solicit for money, for membership, for believing, for anything. He puts out his information, his evidence, and experiences for the world, basically for free, for people to decide for themselves. And yet, this epidemic of degenerated losers, of which there is an enormously high population in America, other places too, people who don't have their own lives, whose first gut reaction is to attack try to belittle, hurl the most abusive and vile accusations at somebody who comes forward truly in peacefulness and love, harmony, freedom, all that good stuff, and puts out irreproducible, stunningly clear evidence and prophetically accurate information that has been folding for the past couple of decades. We are in it now. What do these people do? They attack. They attack and they attack. So... It's kind of no wonder that the Playaren, these extraterrestrials that Meyer's been meeting with for 75 years, long ago took a dim view not only of this country and its overall consciousness, not everybody, but of its fate, of its rather tragic fate based on the kind of energy and thinking and policies that have been part of the formative essence of this country since the 1700s. And they wrote about it. Sfath, Meyer's early teacher, writes about it in 1946. Meyer writes about it in later documents. That's us. That's our country. And we see the worst of it reflected in these lowlifes who really cannot bring themselves out of the gutter and I just wonder how is it that they ever got there? Whatever happened to make people this 
vile and venal and epitomizing just the worst of a people. That's the power of the Internet sometimes. Yeah, it, it is. It brings out the worst it's, sometimes. It's, yes. it's made it possible, but it, it hasn't really been. We can't blame the abysmal lack of character, of conscience and consciousness, the complete lack of ethical and, and behavioral qualities on the medium that these people use to express themselves. This, it, yes, when, when we didn't have the Internet, it was harder for people like this to get a voice. But I also think there's been an enormous increase. And it may also be to some degree because of the Internet, the ease with which we can degenerate our thinking and, and waste our time and be brought down to a low level. I think in that sense, you're right. But the failings of human beings who continue, continue to, to just spew this out. Oh my gosh. It's sad because when the mass of humanity, and this will be occurring when we realize more and more, when it grows, what a loss, what a waste of our time, what a waste of our energy we've channeled into all that was unreal. All that was fake and phony and simply for materialistic gain, we will not only lament and kick ourselves, we will be in the midst, in different points of survival, of struggle, of chaos and breakdown, and it is inevitable. And it is my purpose and the purpose of other people in the Meyer, you know, case involved with it, to try to bring forward those elements, which we refer to primarily as the spiritual teaching, in addition to the prophecies and predictions, for people to have means by which they can correct their thinking and direct themselves towards a safer, more abundant, and happier life in the midst of whatever comes. Understood. Now, do you think you being so vocal has a threatened many else out there in, in the UFO field? Well, I, I know I, I like to refer to myself as Persona Agratin, uh, in the UFO world, you know, they would cover me with cheese if they could. This started in full swing going back to about somewhere around 2000, let's say eight. I think that was the time when I appeared at the International UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada, and by name called out many of these phonies and frauds who were perpetuating this non-existent, you know, UFO contactee abduction, this, that, and the other thing, thing, and just perpetuating nonsense that they could not substantiate. And a lot of these people are still out there, and they there is a clique of people who appear at most of these kind of events. In some cases, I've actually submitted my information knowing that they wouldn't want to have me there. In other cases, I don't bother. Now, I do appear at certain events where people – find out and they want me to come like this event coming up in October in New York City where I'll be one of, you know, handful of people presenting on different aspects of, let's say, ufology and other related matters. But right. in the UFO world, the world of speakers and lecturers, they don't want any part of me because the Meyer it isn't me. It's because I, I can take that which is in this material and any, listen, I'll tell you, I know of any number of other people with a little bit of practice, they could do the same thing, and I hope they will. You know, 
I don't want to be the only one doing this here, even in America, but they, if they present what I present, what I put together, what they can put together, it just takes the wind out of all this flatulent garbage that people, you know, I debated lovely guy. I mean, Stanton Friedman's a nice old guy, Grandpa Stanton Friedman. I debated him on a radio show. Did you? With well, with a lot of notice, he accepted the debate. Wow. Meyer case, the re, the listeners voted on it, and Stanton got two percent approval from the audience, and I got ninety eight percent because he refused to take it seriously. He was he, he didn't prepare himself. He's still in denial and pumping out Roswell. There's nothing left of Roswell except the ooh ah what if and this and that. And in the meantime, I could stand up there and show fifty slides of Meyer's, you know authentic UFO photos and film clips and interviews with Meyer and metal samples and sound record, you know, till the cows come home and then start hitting the prophetically accurate stuff. Stanton Friedman doesn't have anything. Nobody in the UFO community has anything because there's no authentic UFO contactees out there other than Meyer. It's not because I say so. If somebody wants to come forward and put that evidence on the table, gosh, we should look at it and we should test it. They don't do it because there isn't any. So you've got people and videos online with hundreds of thousands of hits and all this hyperbole about UFOs and aliens and imaginary reptilians. And people lose themselves. They they lose their common sense because they won't think about it rationally. Instead, they will attack Meyer. Now, I will say, we... I've got some videos that look, we have some nice representation on that video. There's nice numbers. Films of mine get good viewership. I've got between my blog and my website without advertising, I've attracted several million people from 193 countries. That's right. Yeah. Right. Not bad. And it will continue. It's not going to be stopped. It's opposed. It's suppressed in the mainstream. It's suppressed by the UFO so-called experts, organizations, MUFON, the phoniest of all of them, and you've got open minds, which isn't let, someone's age. Michael, let me – Go ahead. I'm sorry. Michael, before you talk about that, and I, I did want to ask you about those interviews with, with those folks and several others, but you know, Michael, certain people are afraid to speak your name. I, I've talked to a few people at, at different different conferences and – I try to get them to bring up your name in, in a uh, slick way there, and they never do. And they act like they don't know who you are, but they do. I don't understand. Because they I... refer to you as, oh, there's a, a guy that talks about Billy Meyer. And I'm just like, a, a guy? What, what do you mean, a guy? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's always funny to get that interaction with others. Oh, my. Look, I don't, in a way, I don't get it. If there are people that really are interested in the truth, it's not, then I'm not, I'm a messenger for the messenger, you know, and there are other people that do videos in Meyer and talk about it and all that stuff. For instance, somebody on my blog today posted, I I love it because people find stuff I've never found. Open Minds, I think it was about eight years ago, they did some interviews with Jim Delatoso. And, you know, people are always saying, well, there's no original photograph. Jim Dilatoso, and I'll I'll be posting this in one of my blogs, he sits there and he says, well, of course, I examined four original films, negatives, you know, photographs, negatives, 
and, and the poor guy from Open Minds, uh, 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 really, you know, th- that's the organization that bought up Wendell Stevens' documentation, including in the Meyer case, call the case a hoax, and then sell Meyer's photographs. I mean, this is the level of corruption in this phony industry. If this is an industry, and believe me, it is going down. MUFON is a bad joke. You know, uh, there's someone's circulating a petition about the racism and, and profiteering going on and MUFON. Oh, I heard that, yes. Yeah, that's going on. Why do we need a MUFON when they can't find the Meyer case? They can't find their butt to save their, you know, their life. I've got a video clip up online. I confronted Jan Hartson, the president of MUFON, three months ago. When are you going to look into the Meyer case? He tapped dance. He said, well, we're going to look into it. Never did, never would. He may have excuses about, well, we get 500,000 submissions of, you know, lights in the sky. This is a phony operation. They vet a lot of their, what's submitted to them through CIA and State Department. We know that from a professional in the aerospace industry they tried to recruit who refused them because of that whole thing. This is why people want to even bother signing a petition about this bunch of phony, overpaid, you know, nonsense pumpers. I don't know. Open Minds, which is an organization that fronts, it's a disinformation front for intelligence services that's owned by a guy named John Rao down in Phoenix. They, again, they bought up all the Meyer stuff, they attack it as a hoax, and they sell it. So these none of these people have any credibility, and every light in the sky kind of a thing that people see, oh, this is what floods the UFO world. Folks, forget about UFOs altogether. You want the best UFOs, you look at Meyer's evidence, and then you get past it to the prophetic, scientific, and world event-related information, and then you move into the spiritual teaching. Then you realize, good gosh, this this is stuff that's coming down on us, that we can see coming down on us, that he verifiably foretold up to 60 years ago. Let's move on with our lives and kiss these other fraudulent, phony posers goodbye. They just want to sell you books and stuff on nonsense. I've got a blog and a website full of tons of free stuff. You want to buy something, great, fine. But can you learn everything you need to know from the free stuff? Yes, you can. I'm glad you mentioned all those things because we're going to dissect through them all right now. You spoke about these people that make these extraordinary claims. And um, lately, I've been hearing a lot, lots of different things about a secret space program, about this, about that. Uh, any opinion on that, and especially any opinion on Corey Good? Oh, gosh. Look, the one thing, and I've got nothing against Corey Good. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I really am sure. I think he probably is, just from the little I've seen of him, and I can't watch all this silliness that they put out. But here it is. Here's a guy who's a self-admitted mind control experiment walking around. Okay, now what does that tell you? Do you think that maybe somebody's still playing with his poor head and that they use him and David Wilcock with all their concocted imaginary ET stuff, which is absolutely false? They have never put one piece of evidence forward. And so what should we think about this? Now, have they hit on anything that might be true? It's very possible, something here and there. But 
blue avians and all this other garbage and, and time travel to Mars. Oh, no. Give us something factual to go by. And by, I'm going to say something else. A little more, a little less than a year ago, I was taken, I flew out to Colorado by George Norrie. They have me, you know, I, I go on coast to coast and I'll, I'll do another show in August and all. Right, right. Yeah, he interviewed me and he's, he's interviewed me before and he's, he's seemingly he's getting a little more familiar with the Meyer case. So while he was interviewing me for this TV thing on Gaia TV, they're showing Meyer's photos and Meyer's films and he's going, Oh my gosh. Well, these are obviously the clearest most. And then we get into prophetic information. Oh my gosh. You got to know that Billy Meyer. So he was in spontaneous wow about the Meyer case. That show has never aired, and I doubt that it will, because as far as I can tell, and I'd love to be proved wrong, Gaia TV is all about hawking this imaginary gibberish from Corey Good and David Wilcock and anybody else who can't prove a damn thing, and they don't want you to see George Norrie going, oh, my gosh. Look, George Norrie, you know, he's hosted me. It's nice. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. They produce events that he's at with so-called UFO experts. They don't bring me to those. You know, it's the same thing. It's going to clean the clock to have the Meyer case. It doesn't matter whether it's Michael Horn. You show the Meyer material and you make the case for that. And then you go, well, what are these other people doing here? They're just all speculating and, and, you know, with their theories about aliens and space brothers and all this nonsense. So what, Folks, we've got to get down to earth. This is about our future survival. Not ETs, not UFOs, not licensed sky, not imaginary channeling and benevolent space brothers. And, and it, it, this is about our future survival, what's coming to America, which is already what's been coming to the rest of the world, which Meyer verifiably foretold. You can read it on my website. It's been there for years. And that includes the immigration problem, the radical Islamist terrorism, which is spreading worldwide and which there are now, according to Meyer and the play arm, because this is one of the questions I asked Billy in late May, how many sleepers are there in America? Because they had told Meyer a couple of years ago there were 17,471 ISIS sleepers already spread throughout Europe. Now there's 132,000 criminal element people, including, which means ISIS sleepers and various criminals from all those immigrants that are now spread throughout Europe. It's just going to be chaos. So I said, well, Billy, what's the number for ISIS sleepers in America? And he said, according to the play Aaron, at the end of December, 2016, there were 1,407 specifically IS sleepers spread throughout America. But here's the kicker. There were over 177,000 other lone wolf perpetrator criminal terrorist type people with screws loose in their head. And we've seen some of this already who are a threat to this country and its populace and I will also say that a couple of years back, Meyer also said that, that of 100, I think the number was of 175 so-called terrorist acts in America, only six didn't lead back to the FBI or other secret services. In other words, false flags. I was shocked. What, Billy Meyer, they're telling us this, the play iron, we're telling us this. We know from the Meyer material from 1981, and we've had a video up on this for a year or two, 
the warnings about the two coming civil wars to America. Gosh, folks, when I read that, I have said this many times, I laughed about it in 1986 or 7 because he also repeated it in 87. I thought, what is this guy talking about? You know, I didn't know that much about Meyer. Who's laughing at this point? You've got conservative commentators. You've got liberal commentators. You've got people using those words, civil war, civil war, civil war, because that is what's being promoted through this polarization and will fulfill on us within the next two to three years. Forget avians, reptilians, and alien abductions, UFOs, lights in the sky, and the horse crap that is this phony UFO business. And get down to earth, folks. Start reading this stuff and finding out whether it's true or not. Yes, and to put all this to rest about these individuals out there who most likely aren't that genuine, any last opinion on Stephen Greer? Yeah, I have strong opinions about Stephen Greer, who I think very well may have set out with an intention to really, you know, find out the truth about UFOs and bring it to the public. In about 2006, somewhere between 2004, 2006, publicly in Los Angeles at an expo on a UFO panel. I stood up. He was sitting on the same, you know, table line as I was as a presenter. And I said, Stephen, let me save you and good folks that are out there a lot of time and grief here. I give you the Meyer. I'll give you everything that I, that's in this case, meaning I can get this all to you and, and you could get to the truth. He wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't even refuse it. He just wouldn't acknowledge that I was talking to him. So here's the deal. Stephen Greer may, and I'll, I want to give this benefit of the doubt because I heard some, something in an interview too where a, an assistant of his who was all uppity and taking on the, you know, Pentagon and everything and marched into a meeting at, I think at the Pentagon or what have you. Right. You know, this whole thing, this woman, uh, David Adair, I think told this story. David Adair is a brilliant guy. Um, and he said he warned them to not to push those buttons because they could lose their lives. Well, according to David Adair, and I think it is true, that woman suddenly developed a fast-moving cancer that killed her within a couple of months. And I think that Stephen Greer also was uh, contracted a cancer that he got over. But to answer your question, unfortunately, he's now simply another huckster uh, selling people fancy uh Chase lights in the sky at night in the desert by waving your flashlights for aliens on demand and becoming an ambassador to extraterrestrial. It's, it's more horse crap. He, it's just terrible. You, um, you could say horse shit. It's fine. Okay. Well, it is horse shit. And the th- fact of the matter is if Stephen Greer is under some kind of threat on all this, and I give the benefit of the doubt as I do, uh, and this is something I conceived of that it was I, I learned of in the Meyer material that they felt the same way, that this was something that happened to Obama as well, who came in to uh, the presidency with grand humanitarian ideas. And he's a highly intelligent individual. By the time they were done with him, he turned in some very dark directions. And as they said as well, under threat of death to him and his family. This could well be uh, what has been pushed at uh, Stephen Greer, but then back away and stop pumping out this crap. Look, the people who've come forward in the Disclosure Project, all these nice people from the military and civilian witnesses, of course, I think they're telling the truth, which means they've seen stuff, but that doesn't make it extraterrestrial. Correct. And it doesn't mean that anybody's got a clue as to what significance of it is. I would just say that uh, David and Greer – 
I, I believe, have been known to lift material from others. Well, it, well, yes, this is something that happens in this foolish industry. It's like you've got uh, probably the one of the worst, in my opinion, charlatans out there is a guy uh, named Stephen Bassett. And I like to say I'm hounding Stephen Bassett at times because this guy, he's associated with the exopolitics thing, another phony movement where they have supported a known criminal uh, by the name of, uh, by the false name of Alex Collier, somebody I personally knew by his real name. I actually have to thank that guy because he's the guy that gave me the 1800 pages of the original translations, transcripts on the Meyer case. Uh, in LA, I'd met him in Sedona in 1986 in a cafe in Sedona. And that's what got me the, the documentation going. But then he changed his name. He became a so-called Lifelong Andromedan contact, the utter garbage. Mm. I, is, he did not have one accurate prediction. They were all so off the, the charts that you had to wonder why anybody ever gave that guy credence. But he was endorsed by people like Paula Harris, who can't get enough of endorsing nonsense, and Michael Sala, a guy who was kicked out of academia for his bizarre claims about UFOs that he could not support. So he's found a nice home in exopolitics along with Alfred Weber, a nice fellow, but utterly delusional, and Stephen Bassett, who is a mouthpiece for this whole thing. And I've publicly, I offered Stephen Bassett. Uh, this goes back to maybe 2008, I think, in the so-called Flying Saucer Cafe in Santa Monica, California, publicly. I said, here, Stephen, why don't you and your exopolitics outfit look into the Meyer case? I'll give you everything you need. Uh, uh, and it took him two weeks to figure out how to say, no, we're not going to do it. So these people are utter phonies, and I will tell it to their faces. I have no problem calling out people that are phonies. If somebody call, listen, people are calling me out, they're calling me that. I say, well, why don't you give, you know, come on, call in. Call in, that's right. You know, oh, Michael Horn's a liar. Really? Well, what have I lied about? Now I'll say this. I may be wrong about things that I've said in my life, but I haven't lied about them. There's nothing I've lied about in the Meyer case, not a darn thing. Now, does it mean that everything I've said is true in the Meyer case? Is true. That's for people to determine for themselves. But I've never concocted a lie or told a lie. There's no need to. This evidence is so spectacular. Have I been wrong about something in the market? I'm sure. Did I think something was this when it was actually that? Did I think um, that the death of four heads of state had occurred when it hadn't only three heads of state? It was something else. Yeah. Okay. I'm wrong about that. I don't have a problem with that. And Meyer He's made mistakes. The play art have made mistakes and they admit to it because this is how human life works. This, the illusion that has been born out of religious delusion about perfect beings and saviors and, and space brothers and this junk has left this fallacious understanding in people's mind. Oh, you people are got to be right a hundred percent of the time if they're coming from outer space and blah, 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 blah. No. Nobody's right 100% of the time. The play are, and in terms of science, I have found nothing wrong because they know that stuff. They're not theorizing. They're not going, well, it could be that. No. They say, we know this, and we don't know that. We They've given Meyer all the scientific information and taken them to see so much of it. 
because they know that. It's already past history for them, which is why it's so mind-boggling and why our stupid, arrogant, face-saving scientists, the SETIs and the Professor Wrights and the people from all the universities that think that they are experts, they don't know anything. And, I mean, they're, they're just phonies. They, they want to pump up a career. They want to get something out of that big investment that they made so that while they were sitting in somebody else's classroom, for, you know, three years here and two years there, and finally got a degree. Well, my gosh, now I'm an expert. No, you don't know anything. This simple one-armed Swiss farmer that they, you know, like to call him, he, he already's published this before we've discovered it and with more details, and he's right. And we keep on finding out he's right. Why don't you get off your stupid high horse, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Michio Kaku, Professor Jason Wright, and the laundry list. And, and please, Seth Shostak, who's who's a clown, literally, his, uh, by his own words. Or we, I haven't learned anything from the Meyer case. Well, why don't you study it, you, you silly, pompous clown? <laughs> right. And, you know, that reminds me, I, I had on a, a couple, well, actually just the last show, rather. I had a very interesting individual on the program by the name of Robert David Steele. Yeah. Who, yeah, he talked about uh, Mars colony and he mentioned underground bases. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wh- what do you got to say about that? He's a former CIA. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things about that. Mm-hmm. I listened to that interview and I've heard him on some other I Actually, I think I sent him an email some time back as I have to people like Cliff High and others. I happen to like his energy. I liked him. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I really do like him, and I hope he doesn't get upset by me mentioning his name here, but I I liked a lot of what he was saying, to be honest with you. And I agree. Yeah, I don't disagree with everything he was saying. The problem is he also has been fed some disinformation and for whatever reasons bought into it. Now, if he would think things through a little bit, because that's a bright guy. I really liked, I really liked him and I can't wait for him to return. And I, I like that he's aligned with Cindy, Cynthia McKinney. Oh yes. She's a champion. She's a, a real hero like Tulsi Gabbard. Oh yes. In Australia, this young girl, uh, who's the daughter of, oh, her name will escape me until I remember it. These are, these are people to actually look up to. Yeah, Bindi Irwin. She's another because she understands the, the real danger of overpopulation. But uh Cynthia McKinney and Tulsi Gabbard, who are good strong I don't have to agree with them about everything. They just are courageous. They're they're on yes. the right kind of head. And he's a I you know, I could find very little except that silly Mars stuff and tele you know, underground bases. No, no. We're not there. We don't have bases and we certainly don't have, you know, pedophiles that have set up shop on Mars. Nobody has to go to Mars to be a vile pedophile. We've got him here. And it is, you know, there's a, I can't say that I can agree with him about people like Mike Pence because I don't know. And I can't even say about a lot of these other people that I know that they are pedophiles. They certainly are everywhere out there. We can see it. Look, I've got friends who are involved with the Meyer case in Australia. They went to prison for trying to expose pedophiles in Australia. There was an attempt made on one guy's life, they took their property and cars and everything. They took everything from them. This couple who are translators of the Meyer material. The problem was these guys, literally, they were called guy and guys, husband and wife. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have their ducks in a row where they could prove their charges. So as smart as they were and as right on as they 
where they got kicked around pretty badly. Luckily, they, they, they came away with their lives because Australia, too, like in many countries, we know that the, the so-called elite and higher it's riddled with these degenerates. Oh, they're in, they're into that. No, no doubt. There, there really, there really is this, yeah. this problem with, within the elite. Elite, the Catholic Church for centuries has been ripped. My mother was telling me about this in the 50s, and I said, what are you talking about? She said, oh, yeah, you know, they have these little uh, castrati choirs, and they always have little groups of boys that they want to take care of. Oh, my God, you know, when you find out, you want to puke. And why anybody in this day and age is dropping a penny into the coffers of any Catholic Church and not running them out of town on a rail, all of them, because they won't clean their own house? Yeah, by the, people. by the way, the Jehovah Witnesses as well are also complicit with, with this sort of activity where. I don't know that. I, yes. I don't. I mean, it could well be. They, some people mm-hmm. use the elements of the Mormon church. Oh my gosh. It, you know, it's spread around. But you see, this is the problem. Religion itself is such an insidious, happy, uh, hotbed of degeneracy and corruption of thinking and mind enslaving, blood letting, bloodthirsty, uh, you know, pr- procedures in, in human history that there's no shortage of awe and surprise that we might have as we find out as more layers get peeled away. But again, why they haven't run the Catholic Church out of every town and village and country and, every, you know, in every country, I don't know. This shows you how indoctrinated people are. Oh, yes, we have an organization that's where we institutionalize the rape and abuse of young boys, women and children, other, you know, female children too, but we specialize in abusing young boys and just messing them up badly. And we simply move the perpetrators around so that they can have another shot at it somewhere else because we are institutionalized from ground zero all the way up into the, the Vatican, corrupted with this type of unspeakable degeneracy. These people need to be set apart on an island somewhere. This is actually how the play are and do deal with criminals and degenerates. They don't kill them. They remove them when they capture them and they try them. They remove them to a same-sex environment. These guys can try and pull the stuff with their peers if they want to. Uh, they may not survive if they start running that on grown-ups over there, but they get remoted to a same-sex island for the rest of them. Do you think no. do you think that's what we should do with with them out here pedophiles should that be their punishment Absolutely pedophilia is an uncurable incurable you know uh condition we certainly do not have the psychiatric technologies to change that dynamic in people that are afflicted with that the society must be protected from those people and they masquerade all too well as do other forms of psychopaths who are serial killers and all the rest of the stuff. This is, you know, part of the human condition and the human challenge. These people must be removed. They mustn't be brutalized and thrown into, you know, little cells with with or without other degenerate people. They need to be removed to an environment where they are responsible for their own survival. They are given those elements for food and water and growing their own food and providing for themselves and an abundance of any kind of educational material, but nothing else. They don't have the Internet. They don't have cell phones. And they don't get to do anything else to anybody for the rest of their days. They get to deal with their own conscience 
and their own evolution of consciousness to whatever degree they can do it. This is the long, long, long running removal to the place of, I forget exactly what they call it, uh, fulfillment of somehow of the, uh, you know, the recommendations for the punishment. The Playaren do not kill bodies of people unless there is a conflict in which armed resistors will, are, you know, refusing to put down their arms and it must be required that a, you know, a terminal fatal uh, encounter takes place with no choice. Even then, for the most part, they have technologies that literally can put people to sleep through frequency weapons and gases and what have you. But they don't go around with capital punishment and hanging people and all this stuff. They remove them. Once they've been convicted of something that amounts to a capital crime, they are removed and basically that is their opportunity for their own consciousness development whereby they can do no harm to anyone else but they get the opportunity so that in their next reincarnation of their spirit that next personality is less likely to repeat those behaviors which unfortunately happens more often according to this information with people who have had uh, capital punishment applied to them or tortured to death or people killed at a young age through brutalities and things whereby all too often that reincarnating spirit, the personality gathers to again form a personality which has not resolved and transcended those behaviors. So this is why capital punishment isn't done. We only do ourselves more harm by killing people and then they pop up again, not having learned the lesson that they could learn through the suffering of their own consciousness. Yes, and I agree. And I, I hate to backtrack here, but um, to, to wrap other things up about NASA and the moon and, and I believe Vice President Pence, he had mentioned uh, a, recall, a recall to return to the moon and, and put boots on Mars. I believe that's exactly what he said. I'm not exactly sure. I don't have that article, but I believe he said something along those lines about putting American boots on the face of Mars. Right. However, there's a new article now that says NASA bombshell government agency admits it can't pay for humans to go to Mars. Hmm. So what happened? They found out they can't really do what they intended to do. I can't. Pardon me. I was a little far from the microphone. Right. I can't say anything with authority on that. I can tell you this. According to the information in the case, Mars was inhabited in the distant past by human beings. It will be inhabited again. It will have conflicts with amongst its inhabitants as well as with the inhabitants of Earth. These things will transpire as a course of evolution. Uh, they're not around the corner for tomorrow. This world is going to see an awful lot of change and conflict and struggle. And some of this may happen concomitantly with these de developments technologically, but it's not going to be like, you know, tomorrow we're going to Mars. The moon, as you may know from the Meyer material, the moon landing, the first one, as he foretold in 1958, 11 years before it happened, that was a hoax. It did not occur. And the five subsequent ones did occur. Will we go back to the moon eventually? That's what I gathered from the material. Understood. Yes, it's very interesting, uh, all this stuff going on right now, but we definitely don't have the money for it, it seems.
As no, of the moment. We don't have the technology yet either, really. Yes, there is secret military technology, but it's not yet truly interplanetary. Yes, and we're going to get into uh, politics in a moment here. But I thought we can, of course, go over the prophecies of one Billy Meyer, who, of course, received some sort of prophetic warning back as far as 1946. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because it all ties together, especially with the deep state. Sure. Um, it's funny. Uh, when you said that, I just clicked on the, the 1946 one, and here's what I came to, right, because I had all this stuff, you know, on my computer. I'm clairvoyant, Michael. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, in the foreseeable future, a worldwide and religiously conditioned sect-related and otherwise inhuman Criminal terrorism will also emerge, for which (laughs) – do we not see that already? For which also the USA, with its politics, and from 1756 onwards, practically all former U.S. state powerful ones live in the delusion since then to have to seize world domination with secret services, military, and warlike operations – into the concerns of foreign states and to plunder the quote-unquote conquered states with regard to their resources and treasures. And you, and with very few exceptions, which you can count on half a hand, the future U.S. power holders will do the same because the American world domination delusion will unrestrainedly continue to exist and also bring unendingly much suffering and misery, torture, deaths, and destruction all over the world in the future. 1946. And that was a poem, correct? No, this one is... Or this was... Oh, oh I'm, seeing, I'm seeing it wrong now, yeah. Yeah, this was Fath just telling Meyer uh, certain things in a very lengthy, wow, very lengthy document about... What's coming to all the different countries on earth? He was right there. He was foretelling the terrorism and basically saying it, it, it's rooted in the American policies. Wow. Yes. I meant the poem of, I think it was 1949. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you have that in front of you? I'm going to, I'll look that up too. No, I, I don't have it in front of me exactly. I just, I remember making a note of it and I, I was crossing things here. Um, Right. But yeah, the poem is exactly kind of, kind of creepy, right? It is. And I'll, I'll give it to you here. Um, let's just see. Yes. Um, brum, brum, brum. I think it's here. Or maybe it's gone. Yeah. No, here it is. I'm pretty sure. You know, I've got so many links here. It gets to be a little bit, um, there's a lot going on on the website. Oh my gosh. Well, here it is from now. This is interesting because. A year before this, Spath, here's what Spath, his teacher, said in 1948, and this is number 132 in that document. You know, we've got this on the website. If people want it, I can always tell them where to find it. As a result, the period will come when, as a consequence of the provocation by the dictatorship union in Europe and America against Russia, 1948, they were still calling it the Soviet Union back then. That's my little side note. Right. But he, they would call it Russia then. The danger of a fur, further 
world-encompassing war will again grow if the restrained and peace-striving Russia under cer- some circumstances lets itself be forced into an armed engagement, which is not yet fathomed in the future and corresponds to a prophecy whereby it cannot be said yet whether a catastrophic activity will or will not occur in this period. Now, that's 1948. But as I say here, while Spath was still uncertain about the just a year later or less in July of 1949, this is what young Meyer writes, 1949. He's 12 years old. America and the Europa land will tremble when from the east freedom comes with a hard hand, which is suppressed by America and Europe, which, however, will be punished by a hard lesson for their world domination sense, which they evilly harbor and thus put countries and peoples in dictatorship. The great bear will come, which brings freedom, Russian land that fights against and brings down the whole unfreedom, which in America and Europe rings out from many mouths, as in many other countries around the world, but the bear from the east will eliminate it, the unfreedom, and reconcile the whole to peace and freedom. But it will take a long time until then, with complaints which will be carried forth into the world with tears, because evil terrorism dictatorship, hatred, and war will deny victory, peace, and freedom. Might and world domination greed tear the world apart. And in many countries, even many a death cry rings out because America, as well as Europe, carry forth unfreedom and strike the human beings with war, hardship, and misery, the causers of unpeace, whose actions are based on might, will be taught by the bear, as well as it will be proclaimed to them that claims for gaining world might evilly stirs up unpeace, which leads the humankind into death, as well as to decadence. That is why the bear will tear apart all the terribleness of America, and Europe will also be promised the same. When, with acts of gewalt, Wars by the world-grubbing America destroy everything in the world, every which way when the same thing echoes from the European dictatorship and murderous cries of evil terrorism ring out, then the bear will start to bite the unfreedom. And this will tear apart the evil actions of the Western mites. Good night. Oh, boy. That's pretty creepy. Well, guess what? The creepiness apart from also being in the Hanak prophecies, is in prophecies that came after Hanak. Hanak's prophecies were from over 10,000 years ago. Most people don't realize that. And the prophecies from Jeremiah were from a few thousand years ago. So here's what the prophecies of Jeremiah, no, pardon me, um, let's look at it. The predictions of Jeremiah. And there will be new and big empires across the big ocean. And one of these empires will send out new legions of barbaric hordes under the command of powerful rulers who are degenerated in the worst form of inhumanity to carry out wars and conquer the world in order to get hold of the countries, minerals, 
mineral resources. But beyond the big ocean, the walls of the cities and villages of the conquerors wanting to seize the world's power will collapse and the empire will then be destroyed and be only a scorched land and muddy waters. Folks, what do you think Jeremiah was talking about? Yes. Not pleasant. Not at all. So, you know, we've got the Hanak prophecies where they talk about the destruction of America's greatest cities, the destruction of the World Trade Center. Okay, um, just for a moment to, to go, okay, I get it, certainly. Who wants to hear doom and gloom? Who wants to be depressed and hear all this stuff that sounds like, you know, revelation on steroids? And Well, uh, we don't want to hear it. I don't. Right. You know, but this because of this insidious UFO community intelligence suppression link that's gone on for decades because of the suppression of the Meyer material by the media, the intelligence services, the secret agencies, the governance, politics, and religions. We've been like fools pulling the blanket over our heads saying, oh, well, if they don't see us, they, they aren't there and nothing can happen to us. We've been warned literally for millennia. And this is why these things now face us. This is why. Very, very interesting stuff here. And of course, we don't always want to be so doom and gloom. However, it seems like these prophecies are being fulfilled, Michael. Who could argue? Who could argue? Yeah, you, you really can't. It's almost like we definitely are in the end of days. Yeah, you're aptly titled show. Right. Well, you know, we are in the end of certain days where this, if we look at these prophecies and these predictions and all that Meyer himself has foretold, as well as in his former personalities as Enoch, as Jeremiah, as Man, as Emmanuel, etc., when we look at what he and Svath have said, we are in a time of transition. This time is and would be inevitable. The only variable was Will we soften the blows? Will we wake up in time to learn and start redirecting our thinking and our feeling towards each other as human beings and our actions? Or will we proceed and fulfill the worst of that which has been foretold for us? I, I, I think it's not good news. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, not at all. Yes. By the way, when was the last time you spoke to Billy Meyer? Um. I think the exact date, I think it was May 27th. That's, uh, I think it was the 27th, 27th, 27th or 29th. Wait a minute. I can actually look up a calendar probably and figure mm. it out. Um, yeah, but it was, you know, like, what is it, three months ago or so? Yeah. Uh, let's go back. back. Um, so he, he kind of already knows what's going on in politics here in America, correct? Well, I, I put up videos two years ago and a year ago in which he already spelled out what we're in right now, let alone in these prophecies. That's but true, yeah. And, yeah, we're going to tie all that together now. And, and exactly that's what we're seeing nonstop in the media, in the mainstream media about Russia. Yeah, and they told Meyer back uh, when they already told Billy that Trump would become president, that's also on the site or linked from the site, they told him, you know, that – there would be these crazy machinations by these idiots and 
and stuff about Russia and all of that would be lies. Oh, I saw Billy on the 28th of May. That's a Sunday. Yeah, that was when I uh, sat with him and got the answers to the questions. Oh, the video. Oh, no, I didn't video him a... this time. I wasn't feeling up to video. Mm. He had, I had sent him, I think, a dozen questions or so, and he met with Patah the night before, and they prepared the answers, and they're up on my website to all of those questions. Yeah. Yeah, and we've been seeing lots of stories going back and forth in the media just recently about some sort of, what was that, some sort of woman, correct? Some lawyer. Who, oh, the Russian the, lawyer. Yeah, the Russian lawyer that no one seems to know anything about. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, these are the intrigues of politics. And politics is as failed a way for humans to relate as through religion. It's, it's terrible. Because politics is always not the art of the possible that they like to say, but it's the art of advantage. It's how do I get one over on you? How do we get one over on you? How do we give you something and take more from you in the process? That's it. I mean, that's politics. And that's why we are doomed, literally, so long as we perpetuate these systems of politics and religion. And we will eventually either get out of that or we won't. But Meyer, you know, as I say, he was told that Trump was going to win the presidency. And as far back, actually, as 2008, he was told that Hillary Clinton would never become president. And that, you know, Obama and all this stuff. So he had to stay quiet about it because Patah told him that if he prematurely mentioned that Trump wins the election, that Trump would be killed. And that the people who would get him would be elements of the Democrat Party and Secret Services. And that a lot of things, once he was elected, would depend on those around him, how effective they would be in trying to turn him. Uh, he was in and of himself not really a bad person. He was a hyperbolic kind of a little bit of a chaos catastrophe on wheels. But he had basically he is really congruent with his idea of wanting to do well for his country. He wants his country to do well. Now, they also said, as anybody could plainly see, I think, that his environmental policies are garbage and the healthcare thing ain't working out too well yet either. But other than that and all the regular garbage of politics, he wants to improve the lot for the American people. One of the problems that is inevitable and he cannot fix it is all of this thing about bringing jobs back to America. It's not going to work. Automation is creeping up everywhere. It will replace existing jobs. I remember it's about five or six years ago. I was doing something with a computer and suddenly it struck me. I thought, you know what? Restaurants, they're going to get rid of a lot of people. They're simply going to have a computer right there. You order what you want and maybe it'll be a person who brings it up, but don't hmm. bet on it. Right. Well, they're already doing that now. That's right. Right. So he may have a good intention, but he, he can't do it. It's not going to happen. And if the player and Meyer are correct that after 2020, and I think this is a pretty close paraphrase, the superpower USA will cease to exist, which means that mm. as a superpower, as a United States of America, we will no longer be at some point past 2020. This would coincide with the predictions about the, and I think they are predictions, about the two civil wars. So anarchy, the breakdown of this country, it's on its way. It will intensify. And the people who are trying to do Donald Trump in, you know, they are relentless, too. And I think they're very foolish because they don't have anything better to offer. And I, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I think, you know, they're, they're both just bozos. 
But he, I think that the people that are gratuitously slinging all this made up stupid Russia stuff, which a lot of people are really tired of now, and all the other stuff they're trying to do to harm him, the, the really unconscionable personal attacks and attacks against his family, it shows the degeneracy of people, such as if we go back an hour in our conversation, those losers that go online and, you know, attack Meyer in vile terms, well, it's the same mentality attacking Trump. And if it was a Democrat they were attacking, it doesn't matter. It's a mentality. And by the way, that lawyer's name is something like Natalia Veselnitsky or some, something along those lines. Sky, yeah, whatever, yeah. And she supposedly has connections to the Democrats, and they're saying she has connections to the Republicans. Yes. She's probably very well connected. So It seems like it. And you know what? From, from what I take away from all of that is that I see two sides willing to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, that's, you know, that's what they're trying to do here. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, um, I do side with those people who think that major crimes have been committed by Democrats and people like Hillary Clinton and all that. I think it's, it's so obvious. Of course. Yeah. But you see, people get very partisan with politics. Like I had a friend I was talking to, a guy from a university, a very intelligent guy. But he he was a knee-jerk liberal. He Everything had to be seen through the eyes of Democrat, liberal. This, and I was thinking, can't you think? What's the matter with you here? Sure. I think, look, Cynthia McKinney, I believe, is a Democrat. Is she not? Cynthia McKinney? I, I think, well, she was going uh, Green Party, but, yeah, I think she was running as a Democrat. Okay, I could be wrong. Um, let's see really quickly. That I'll was, just be a Democrat and see if that comes up, unless you've already done it. That was in 2008, uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah. As a member of the Democrat Party, she said blah, blah, blah. Okay, so she could be an, an independent now, is that what you, Mo- what most, you were saying? Yeah, most likely she's an independent now. Right. But she was a Democrat. But she had good ideas as a Democrat. There are some Republicans that have good ideas. I think that Rand Paul and Ron Paul have some good ideas. I don't know that everything I would agree with. Uh, Pat Buchanan, a far-right commentator, he echoes Meyer's uh, concerns about civil wars coming to America. I've got an article in my blog. He's basically saying what Meyer's saying. So if people would get past politics completely, all this partisan nonsense, and look for the operating principles – What are the principles that we should conduct our lives and relationships by? We don't need these labels of Republican, Democrat. It's a game only designed to enrich the people that catch on, and then they go to become politicians, get themselves local government, you know, uh, state government, get me into Washington and watch me feather my nest and come out of government a millionaire. That's what it is. Right. And, you know, I I – do want to say every time I, I begin to talk about politics, I do want to say I don't have a dog in the fight. Uh, I love this country very much. I just never like this sort of a uh, matrix system that we are enslaved to basically. And I, I don't like Hillary and I really don't like Trump all that much to be honest with you. I, I don't like neither of them, but you know, we're kind of forced to, to back these people. Well, um, no, you know, I mean, only so long as we say that's, you know, those are our only choice. That's all we can do. When people go, you know, this is really stupid. We got to get rid of this whole bit of nonsense here. Um, and that's a ways to go. But you see, here's the thing. You notice there was all of that terrible, um, you know, violence, especially coming 
primarily 98% from the left. And that's pretty undeniable. And what I've said, and I, this, um, this is getting, uh, what do you call it, uh, repeated too by people. There is going to be blowback coming from the right. Everything is cause and effect in life. Oh, yes. And the problem here is that the right has, you know, just like the left has all these crazy anarchists, they are really fascists and moonies. So does the right. They've got neo-Nazis, KKK, white supremacists, and they're much better armed over the, you know, uh, generally speaking, they're better prepared in a sense than just some of the loonies from the college campuses that, you know, their parents sent them to college and this is what they think they're supposed to do. So when the blowback starts, when it starts to come full force, you're in civil war. And then you'll, you know, you'll find, well, then the government is entering in things and things are breaking down. It seems like that's kind of the narrative as of what we see today by the media. They're really pushing for that sort of thing. They are. Yeah. Yeah. And they're funded. Don't forget they're funded by a lot of these globalist loonies who simply want the power. And yes. Any- and you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Just let me mention here very quickly that many believe that's, that's all part of the Jewish mafia who is basically in control of all the media. They're responsible for the perversion of America, some would even say. It goes back farther than that. It encompasses. There, You know, it's like when Billy was talking about some of this stuff, the dark order, you know, the secret governments and the secret powers. Right. This isn't one monolithic group, race, culture, or religion. These are even various parties that vie with power. With each other for power. And here's, you know, here's the thing. Like you, I'm not political. I'm not really even a conspiracy theorist and I'm not interested in going out and protesting against the government or the, you know, the dark order, the deep state. I only I seek the truth. Yes, Michael. You know, we, we just want to know what it is. Now, is there an element of, let's, let's say Zionists that are involved in this school? Yes. Is there a, an element of, a Christian element of uh, sectarian uh, world domination. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. And, you can, and some of that is very strong even within our military. It's all part of the cabal. Yeah. And, and these things extend. There are powerful families. There's this, there's that. So it isn't monolithic. In some things they may cooperate. Other things they may be competing with each other. Some elements are more powerful, have more of a hold on this or that. But this is the illness of, you know, human thinking and behavior. These are the psychopaths who understand, strangely enough, how things work, how some things work. You see, in the spiritual teaching, we're taught how to think, how to, how to think clearly, how to see things as they are, to take full responsibility for our lives, how to craft our thoughts so that our lives are formed through good, correct, logical, neutral, positive thinking. The thing about the power-hungry elite, the ones who will roll over anything, is they understand the might of the thoughts, but they don't understand or care for those things which are uh, intrinsically involved in a balanced life, meaning they don't care about love and peace, freedom, harmony, knowledge, wisdom, friendship, fellowship, nature. They don't care about the consequences of power-hunger. They only care about picking a target, determining that that's what they want, and ceaselessly pursuing it at any cost. 
people who understand the same might of the thoughts also go about things a bit differently because in their thinking, they do weigh the consequences and they do make choices that are based on more evolutionary thinking. People who are just might oriented can and do accomplish a lot of might and power and create a lot of damage. And then that ultimately falls, but not before a lot of damage has been done. In, in Meyer's 1949 letters, 12 year old boy, he's talking there pretty nakedly about America and the European Union, a dictatorship, uh, trying, you know, just exporting terrorism and war all over the world and Russia being the power that finally actually puts that down. Now that's a sound terrible to people who've been force fed this narrative about the evil Russians who frankly have never attacked us, have they? No, that's my knowledge. Where is it? You know, Hillary Clinton and her cohorts, if she'd been elected president, we'd be in nuclear war right now with Russia for no reason. And when that comes, and it's right there, both in the predictions of Jeremiah, in the prophecies of Hanak before it, and in Meyer's own prophetic poem, Russia will clean our clock, probably with the help of China. If there's any chance of not having that happen, we have to think that other possibility into reality. I was just about to ask you if we were going to see a World War III uh, in our lifetime here. Well, unfortunately, that's what's hinted at in, in these things from Jeremiah, Hanak, Jeremiah. It certainly seems like it, yeah. Even in the Emmanuel prophecies foretell the nuclear destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the uh present day, if you will, Israelis and the present day radical Islamists. This stuff is in the mire material. This is why, you know, I, I just go nuts when people don't want to discipline themselves to find out what it is that they're railing against, which is here to help them assure their own future survival. Yes. And you know, one thing that's bothered me about Donald Trump, and I'll be perfectly honest with you and Let's go back to the basics. We already know that the Federal Reserve System took over when they basically green, green lit the, can, uh, the Kennedy assassination. They, they basically allowed that to happen. And that was back in 1963 when they took over. And all of it, of course, was about money and, and power. Yeah. And I know you know that. I know you're smart enough to realize all of that. And, Another thing, back to Donald Trump, one thing that's always really bothered me about him was some of the company that he was friends with, basically, some of the company that he kept around. You heard of the term birds of a feather, correct? Sure. Yes. And, you know, it, it's quite, it's quite, it's out there. If you look that Donald Trump, of course, is friends with Jeffrey Epstein, another yeah. questionable character. All the people. All these people, they all have ties to the CIA and other criminal elements. Let's be perfectly honest. And, of course, let's not forget to mention Felix Sater, another guy, a two-time convicted felon, another old friend of Donald Trump. I'm telling well, you, birds yeah, of a you're feather. Right. You're right. And, and, and the thing about it is, you see, I, I go on certain, certain feelings I've got of this. I don't think, I don't feel at all that Donald Trump is a pedophile. I think he has a, let's call it just to be polite, uh, a healthy male interest in females. Right. And, and, and that's not what I'm saying. That's, uh, I'm yeah. not saying that he's a pedophile. I don't know that for a fact. I, I'm just going with what I've read about 
alleged trips to this Lolita Express thing and Bill Clinton too. Let's not forget to mention him. Right. All these people have these really questionable company that they seem to keep around. It's all very unusual, don't you say, Mr. Horn? Well, I would say what isn't unusual about it, this just is occurring to me as you're describing it, <clears throat> why it isn't unusual is this. While I don't think that, let's say, Trump is a pedophile or interested in that kind of stuff at all, because he's interested in more mature women. I mean, by that, I mean, you know, over 21. I mean, not that he isn't attracted, but he, he involved himself in married women who were women, right. not children. Right. But these men are all into power, money and power. And I'll give you a, a brief story about Donald Trump, because I know uh, a man. Um, I, I've known a couple in California for many years. They were kind of hippies when I knew them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the husband worked very hard and became one of the very, very top real estate salesmen for Coldwell Banker in the country. And he did at least one deal with Donald Trump. And he said to me, we did this deal for Donald Trump with a, a promote a golf course thing he had, and then he screwed our company. <laughs> he just told me, he said, Donald Trump, you know, because Donald Trump would say to people, well, sue me. I don't care. I've got, you know, I can, I can get through all this. And so he said, you know, he was really unethical. And I wouldn't argue that. Now, when you get into the realm of very powerful people, you're going to find those stories for sure. You'll find some good stories here and there. Um, I think that there's things about Donald Trump where he's basically, even as the player and said, where he's really not that bad a person in terms of the pedophiles, in terms of the, you know, the brutal people. I don't hate him, by the way. No, I think, right. I think he's, I think he's rather entertaining, to be honest. Well, in some ways, I have to agree with you. And I like the fact that he shoots down these pompous phonies in the media who are all just full of it. And, you know, they're they're trying to take him down, and he's taking them down. I love it. I think that that's worth the price of admission. It isn't going to be without cost. It doesn't mean he's going to survive this. There's many ways still, as that evil guy Chuck Schumer said, well, if you mess with the intelligence agency, they've got seven ways to Sunday or six ways, whatever he did it, to, you know, to harm you or whatever. Yeah, I think that there's no shortage of ways that Donald Trump can actually be harmed and even replaced. It will be a huge, huge um, catastrophe if they do that, because that will bring the war. If they put Pence in there, uh, whether he's a pedophile or just a pedantic or whatever, uh, he would be very amenable to being used by the powers that be for war. There's no doubt about that. So we're not out of the woods by a long shot. And I, I really hope that Trump can survive it. What an inter- what what an interesting time in politics. Yeah. It's, it's never been this entertaining, Michael. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it could get very scary as well. You know, of I course, you mentioned course. the Kennedy assassination. In nineteen fifty three, uh Asket told Billy about the assassination of John Kennedy. I think she gave him the date. And his brother as well, that those events would happen in the 60s when she was giving him uh, him predictions for the future, which, of course, also all fulfilled. Right. That was pretty, you know, pretty wild stuff. And Oh, yes. I mean, just having a, a, a president who uses Twitter as often as as any other normal person is pretty entertaining in itself. It is. He's he's sticking it to these Stupid, shallow, talking heads. It's the craziest shit, Michael. I never thought I'd see a president who tweets more than I do. 
<laughs> I, 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 you know what? My tweeting is really limited to when I put out a blog, I put it on Facebook and I tweet, and that's it. You know, I just, I don't really like being online, strangely enough. I understand, yes. I understand 100%. And I'm sorry to switch the subject here, but I, I completely forgot to ask you about these people. Sure. Um, are you familiar with Bashar? <laughs> yes, I am. You know who he is? Daryl Anka. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, I came into contact with him first in 1986. I went to a number of channeling events. As a matter of fact, he had me, I think it was in Honolulu at one of these events. He had me come up and sing some songs. I was checking out all these channels, you know, and UFO people and all this stuff. I, I put time into this. I really did. And my over, t- uh, you know, overriding take on channeling as such over, overall is I came away with enough significant, unique, valuable material to fill half of a teacup with room left over for an Olympic-sized swimming. In other words, gibberish, nonsense, not one. I couldn't find one actual, factual, accurate anything out of all of his readings. You know, that whole deal. He's also very entertaining if you see him live and direct. I saw him plenty of times live and direct. I've talked to Daryl and uh, a guy named Steve, who I think is his promo partner yeah. and other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, it's entertainment, but the problem is really. That's all it is, though. It, it, that is completely all that it is. It's also another thing. It's, it's psychosis. Too, I, I think so, too. You have to. Well, Meyer said the people that do that stuff are schizophrenic or they become it from yeah. doing it. This does not come from any outside so-called entity. What, None of them. Oh, Jay-Z, Knight, Bashar, anything. Go what, ahead, a, what about Christine Day? She's also someone else who I've talked to. I've, I've interviewed her before. She channels the Pleiadians. Well, that's impossible since there are none. That, that's and another thing I heard as soon as, as soon as I interviewed her. Yeah, here's the thing. And a lot, you know, people in your audience may or may not be familiar with this. In 75, when January 28th, 1975, the first meeting Myers had in Sanyaze, and it was either at that meeting or at subsequent one where she, you know, tells him uh, to refer to them as the Pleiadians. And he says, well, but why? There's no life in the Pleiades. You're the Playaren people. And she said, yes, we know that. You know that. But you're because we know a bit about what's going to happen from here on. As soon as your information gets published and people see your photos and all this and the, and the controversy starts, then you're going to have people who are outright frauds and liars claiming they are meeting with the Pleiadians, they're channeling the Pleiadians, they're dating the Pleiadians, they're having babies with the Pleiadians. So you got people like Barbara Marciniak, and I guess Christine Day, who I've yes. only heard of. I don't think I've ever heard her stuff. And there's there's a few others channeling Pleiadians that don't exist. So he was told us, and so they she said to him, "This way, you will know that these people are self-identifying as liars and frauds and charlatans. So don't worry, we're not having any contacts with these people that are referring to us as <clears throat> Pleiadians. None such exists." And you can, and that would be Christine Day, whoever she may be as well. Yes, that's, that's her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard all of, all of that after I had interviewed her. Several people had emailed me about that. Ah. Which is interesting that you mentioned it. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, here's the problem with these folks. As soon as they make these claims and they're channeling, all you have to do is ask them a question that has been already handled somewhere in the depth of the Meyer material and just watch them shuck and jump. They, they won't know what to do with it. Because, as Billy said, the only thing that comes forward from a so-called channel is that information which they know, and by knowing, it doesn't mean it's true information, but that they have incorporated into their own consciousness somehow from reading, from listening to other things, from making it up, whatever. And I, for instance, I have a friend in Sedona, I've known this guy for 40 years, he thinks he channels the Elohim, the so-called creator gods. Yes, the Elohim. Yeah, well, good luck. There's no Elohim around. And and (laughs) any of those who thousands of years ago were called that, they were simply humans here, extraterrestrial humans. They died. They're long gone. You can't channel anybody. You can't channel anybody. But he's got this whole thing where he's, you know, and he has, takes phone calls and does this whole charade. He believes he's really doing this. So he's gone a bit nuts. And I've even, you know, he and I, we, we're old friends. Do you think he could pass a psych test? No, not if they start do, bringing this kind of stuff up because he's <laughs> yes. convinced himself so much. He, he has guruitis. He's always wanted to be a guru. And then he mm. latched onto this channeling thing. So I would do things just to demonstrate to him. I'd say, you know, how about this? And, and I would do a channeling rap, you know, virtually identical to any of what, of what these phonies could do. Anybody can do it. Just listen to it long enough and you can do it because it's terribly nonspecific. There's no significant details. They don't know anything. So it's not like, like if you ask Meyer something, uh, that's in the material, he, if he doesn't automatically already know it in his head because he's got 26,000 pages up there, he knows where it is on his computer. I sat with him and we were going, so he said, let me go find that. I know where that is. And so he went on and found the particular thing we were talking about at that moment. These poor folks, they just, they will shuck and jive their way. And they don't get that they're nuts. They don't get that they're fooling themselves. So they are truly, legitimately schizophrenic. They're nuts. And they may be harmless in, in, in the overall scheme of things. They're not going out and abducting anybody and killing them. But they mislead people who are, you know, not using real critical thinking, not playing with the full deck themselves. So this is all part and parcel of the unfortunate nature of the so-called paranormal, new age, metaphysical, mystical world. And there is no such thing as paranormal. We may not know all of the laws of operation of life and physics, but if something has a reality to it and isn't a hoax or an illusion, then it is normal in accordance with certain specific laws. That's all. So that's why we don't build in my cases anything paranormal. Right, right. And another question here, I did want to mention this. I believe Netflix is now carrying this. It's the Stan Romanek story. I think it's called Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story. And this was recently just released here on Netflix. I haven't seen it myself. However, I have talked to Stan's wife, and I think I might, well, depends what happens if he makes it out of court there, a free man. Yeah, he's got some troubles that much I know. What do you got to say about that? I mean, isn't that just fascinating all in itself? You mean the the troubles, so-called child pornography stuff? Yeah. 
Well, look, I the view I hold since I do not know at all. I don't know Stan. I don't. I know he's in trouble about that. Yeah, I don't know anything either. Yeah. It's the thing. One of the easiest ways to give somebody a very bad time, whether or not they're uh, telling the truth about something else, is to set them up with child pornography. That happened. To Wendell Stevens. It happens, yes. It's very easy to do that too with, with technology and, and Trojan viruses and remote access tools. I could go on for days. I know all about that and how it could easily be done. Yes. So, um, Wendell, yeah, Wendell right. Stevens went to prison on trumped up child molestation charges or something because he was told by the, uh, you know, intelligence agency, you get away from this Meyer case. We don't want you to get to do it. And he says, hell, like hell, I'm going to get away from the Meyer case. Uh, he served some years in prison for his defiance and trouble. And that's why people say, oh, he's a convicted pedophile. Yeah, well, it wasn't exactly like that. And his partners knew that and Meyer and the player knew that. But he, he just bucked the tide and he got, he's lucky he was alive. I mean, they can do you in. There's, it's obvious and clear. And it's, it's, people have been killed. But as far as Stan Romanek and aliens is concerned, well, there you got problematic stuff because supposedly it goes what i remember seeing some photos supposedly a gray at the window at the window yes and this was even picked up by the mainstream uh media too i believe even fox ran that story well what's wrong with that picture no pun intended okay the gray thing goes back to roswell there's a ton of things wrong with that picture yeah okay exactly roswell those were not extraterrestrials you know those were androids some of which survived for a while and, you know, ultimately they were all dead, but, um, they were not these extraterrestrials who designed and built their ships. And all. these were robotic android beings that were the little pilots for these expeditionary craft. So they weren't showing up in front of Stan's window. Were there possibly replicas made of these things at any time by any organization or people? Yeah, possible. These aren't extraterrestrials. There's no, if we could only clear our head enough to say, wait a minute, some, okay, a being or beings come tens, hundreds of light years through space. That means they've got super advanced technology developed over a long time, even to take those trips. They had to evolve themselves to have Lifespans probably at least of multi hundreds of years. They have gotten over, uh, certain dysfunctions that are endemic to, you know, terrestrial human beings. So let's see. We're supposed to believe that they are coming here so that they can play hide and go seek at somebody's window or float Aunt Edna out the window. <laughs> yes. Or take somebody's oh so important genetic material. Our genetic material is right now crap because look, you're a space traveling race. You've got your, your beings and your society live hundreds and hundreds of years. The play iron can live up to 1200 or more years. You want to come here and get a hold of our genetics when we top out every, you know, few million people. You get somebody pops up over a hundred and something. Oh, well, they need our emotions. Oh, really? They're, are they short on grief, violence, aggression, hostility, insanity, that they, they decide they need to put that back into their uh, genetic emotional makeup? <laughs> I don't think so. So the whole UFO crowd, extraterrestrial abduction, blah, blah, experiencers, boy, that experiencers thing gets me as much as 
a lot of these people that have to have service dogs, and I, I know people are going to really hate me for this. Oh, my, yes. Okay, you know, the snowflake consciousness thing. So everybody with their delusions about stuff, and then you've got the play Aaron who sit and meet with Meyer. They give him vast and important specific scientific information. They've taken him and shown him around the universe, parts of it. They, you know, and, and they do serious work. They bring forward with him the spiritual teaching so that we can learn how to think ourselves out of this hole that we're in. Oh no. Stan Romanek's got an alien at his window and it's going to give him a complex mathematical formula that nobody can understand. Yeah. Okay. You like that stuff because people like science fiction. They don't want to think. They want to be entertained and scared. Those two things. And some of it, of course, is often the same thing. Right. What do we, you know, violence movies. We, we've got zombies. We got, it's the same thing. Scare me. That's entertaining. Let's do more of it. So this is pretty sad because as the reality bomb starts to hit with certain environmental eruptions in many ways coming here and in other places in the world with geopolitical events, with terrorist activities, wars, etc. You know, those of us that have spent too much time playing video games and entertaining ourselves through other means are going to need a quick course. I don't even call it a crash course. A quick course in reality and priorities. Start now. You know, don't wait for the, those things to come knocking on your head. Right. Yes. And um, we're close to wrapping up here. A few more questions before I, I let you go, Michael. And this has been an extremely enlightening, enlightening conversation, I must say. Just my opinions on most of this stuff and anything pertaining to the Meyer case, people are certainly free to check it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I, I would I would encourage everyone to do their homework, and of course, if both you and I are wrong on on anything, I'm sure we we both would um, correct ourselves appropriately. Yep. Yeah, we don't have that big of an ego, right? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> if we're wrong, we're wrong. You know, I I admit if I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But uh, you see, I think you can have both a big and sometimes even. Uh, let's say over the top ego, but you can also admit when you're wrong because you like being that kind of a person who's willing yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I love those who are honest. Exactly. exactly. Now, yes. Now, moving along here, Michael, uh, recently there were these mummified alien greys that were unearthed and they were found in Peru. Did you happen to see that? I saw a, a one, uh, like a video from... I don't know if it's on Gaia. I think it's on Gaia TV. And I saw one so supposedly mummified being that looked like gray. Yes. Except, except it would have been a lot larger if it unfolded and had supposedly three hands and three toes or whatever. I mean, pardon me, three fingers and then three toes on the feet. And I thought it was very interesting. And a friend of mine in Switzerland who works with me said, well, that's really interesting. You know, see what happens with that. They haven't, uh, I haven't, gotten anything from Meyer on it. Uh, I, I don't know that there's anything more that's been determined. I think it'd be interesting if it's true. The only problem is this, that when Meyer was asked years ago, or and actually when he asked the play Aaron about the planes of Nazca and the you know, the images that are seen from above, they, and again, I just said, according to information in the case, I don't know if this is right or not, they said, no, there was nothing extraterrestrial in Nazca. These People 
you know, made these lines and did these, this stuff themselves. And there was no extraterrestrial participation whatsoever. So it's, it's one of those things where, as far as I'm concerned, the jury is out. It's pretty interesting. It might turn out to be a hoax or if they can show that this was really uh, some kind of a, you know, human, humanoid creature and get some information on that. That'd be interesting too. It's not necessarily that important. Not to me, because what's important is what's coming down on us on planet Earth. Right. Not what's happened to some dead dude from, you know. Yes. It's an interesting find, yes, but I always question the source and and those around it. And, of course, the uh, UFOlogist and journalist Jaime Mozan is someone who's been uh, in the midst of of this this, um, finding and He's someone I've always been very critical of on this program because I know very well all the things he's been involved involved in, and I've known about it since I was a little kid. Um, yeah, because of my grandmother who was always watching this one uh, Spanish network, and he was always on there pushing pushing these things. He he had done some interviewing and researching on the Meyer case too, but. I, I know he was involved in lots of other stuff, and I've heard the same thing about his reputation being somewhat suspect. People in Mexico know all about him. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, come on. I, you're not going to fool me here. Right, right. Look, it could be he could have fallen into something that you know, turns out to be true and, and interesting. True. But I, I pretty much can guarantee that even if that's the case. I, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll definitely apologize. I think the problem is... It, it still can't give us anything. See, people are still too hung up with this alien thing. No, so that's right, yes. It, we've got, it doesn't deliver anything. We need, I always say, if the most important story in all of human existence would be the confirmed existence of intelligent space traveling extraterrestrial life exceeded only by corroborated contact with it. Because then we would find out what the reason for the presence, for the visit from a race would be. The Meyer case answers all of that. It's about helping us to help ourselves assure our own future survival. Not to worry about mummies and cryptic things and, you know, all that's fascinating. I love it. I love Egyptology, but this is now and we are here. Exactly. Yeah. The thunder is coming. Love it for sure. And one more other thing: um, Did Mr. Billy Meyer ever tell you anything about 9/11? Well, he's published. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, yeah, I'll bring up the last thing that I got from him. But I will also tell you that in 1987, mm-hmm. in Hannah Prophecies, it says you, you. I don't know. Do you remember that about that? I can read that to you from the Hannah Prophecies. Just so you know with um, exactly what he did say, and I won't have to. Yeah, go go ahead. I have that here, but I think those listening probably won't. Okay. So if we, we have a minute for this? Yeah, go ahead. It's cool. All right. So here's the thing. and I'm going to read the four preceding sentences because this is in the same tone as what we read from Jeremiah, what we read from Spoth in 1946, and what we read from Billy in 19. 19- 49. Here it is. Nice. Far in the West, it will be different. The United States of America will be a country of total destruction. 
The cause for this will be manifold with global conflicts which are continuously instigated by it and which will continue far into the future. America is creating enormous hatred against itself worldwide in many countries. As a result, America will experience enormous catastrophes which will reach proportions barely imaginable to people of Earth. The destruction of the WTC, i.e. the World Trade Center by terrorists, will only be the beginning. That's 1987. Now, I'm going to give you something from 1989. Give me one second. Um, here, here it comes up. 1989. Let me just find the word where it starts. Okay. This is in the 230th contact of October 11th, 1989. That's two years and change after the Hanak prophecies. Billy is speaking to Quetzal, and Quetzal explains how Bush Sr. and friends plotted to get Bush Jr. elected in order to get their grubby, oil-greedy hands into Iraq. There is some comment about the greatest ever vote fraud, which allowed this. Now, wait a minute. This is 1989. Bush Sr. hasn't gotten in, and neither is Bush Jr. Okay. <clears throat> That's what Quetzal's telling him about. He's, right. He explains to him about the World Trade Center, and Billy uh, says, monstrous. Really monstrous. Oh no, he explains all this to him and then Billy says, monstrous, really monstrous. It would also be just as monstrous if, when, the World Trade Center would be destroyed by terrorists with captured commercial airplanes through which thousands of people would die. That Bush Jr. and various of his criminal trusted ones knew that then, however, undertook nothing against it. A criminal act that gains Bush the upper hand and he can let loose against Islam, naturally, always under the cloak, veil, that they want to free the USA and the world from terrorism. It would not be discussed that it would be the Bushes who would bring the greatest terror over the world, at least for the next 15 years. Okay, we're not done. One second more. Now, people, you know, that I posted that in August of 2005 on my website in the For What It's Worth department, folks. Let's see if we can find this. I'm trying to see what his, who was it? Was it George Tennant? Who, what was the name? I'm going to, I'm going to, because it's in the Meyer material. Uh, one second, let me just see if I can get it really quickly because they talked more about how the CIA and people were to blame for allowing. Yeah, the CIA director. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Tenet, that's it. So let me try and find that. Tenet. Yeah, all of that is extremely interesting. Yes, it is. Here we go. Um, wow, here it is. Let's see. T-E-N-E-T. -E -E oh, uh, here we go. This is an article where Billy says a lot about the CIA. Gosh, he really does. It is also interesting to know that the CIA director, George Tenet, was a member of the board of directors of AOL, 
during the years 1997 to 2004. Naturally, it is thereby disputed that there's no other connection between the CIA and the uh, worldwide operating provider. But the undisputed fact of the matter is, he's, he's talking about all this stuff here. I'm trying to see if this is where they, um, uh, hold on. Uh, this is where he lays out a lot of stuff about George Tenet and the CIA, but I want, oh, here it is. And because on September 11th, 2001 in New York, the Al-Qaeda terrorists attacked, sped with two hijacked passenger aircraft into both towers of the World Trade Center and released an inferno next to which that a further aircraft was steered into the Pentagon and a fourth was brought down in the state of Pennsylvania. The power of the CIA grows immeasurably. Remember, it starts off, and because, da, 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 and then he says the power of the CIA. New anti-terror laws were created through which practical charters were prepared in regards to the terror search. Um, what else? I've got somebody trying to get in on me here, but I'm hanging up on. Um, I'm trying to see. Uh, are you, You're still with me, right? Yeah, I'm here. Good. Okay. All right, here we go. The press was muzzled and the CIA was given freedoms, which are so unbelievable that a normal citizen of the country cannot conceive of this. That could only happen, however, through the Al-Qaeda Terror Act, which shows that this was quite consciously allowed to happen. This is what they're saying about it. It is a matter of fact, namely, that the CIA, through its spies and informers, was just as fully informed about Osama bin Laden's oncoming terror plot as was the irresponsible U.S. President George W. Bush. Yet, neither he nor the CIA, nor ones from the other secret services, undertook something in order to prevent the harm. That has several reasons. Because on one hand, the terror attack had to serve to provide yet more unrestricted power for the CIA. And on the other hand, through its actualization, the U.S. American people could be duped with threadbare and filthy lies and the war in Iraq could be launched. In addition to that, there's more here. The anticipated terror attack also guaranteed that the CIA and the other secret services, as well as the U.S. government, had to be given, along with more power, a greater financial blessing, which then also actually happened as the Terror Act was actualized and demanded more than 3,000 human lives, which the CIA, as well as President Bush, coldly took into account. Also, a reaction did not then even come from the side of the Secret Service and from Bush or from the CIA boss, CIA boss George Tenet, when on August 30th and, and 31st of 2001 in Minneapolis, a suspect named Zacharias Usawi was arrested who, as it turned out, was a substituted assassin in regard to an airplane jacking, hijacking. CIA boss Tenet did not react to the warning that terror attacks were to be carried out with hijacked passenger machines, whereby he also even hid important information from the FBI, through which it would have been possible to arrest all the terrorists who were entangled in the terrorist disaster. But for money and power, Everything is possible for the USA, for the U.S. president, as well as for his dependent vassals, as well as for the criminal secret service CIA and all 
other services. Now, that is, I, I told you I asked Meyer a question. Right. Because that, all that stuff was like from a few years ago. You know, my, your head will spin because, you know, people think that Meyer Puputo is because they're not simply saying, oh, it was, you know, it was an inside job. It was allowed. That's, you know, enough of an inside job if you want to put it that way, but it wasn't that we did it. Now, could Cheney have been complicit in this and all that stuff? Okay. But that question wasn't asked. There was another question and I asked it and here it is. Hold on. No worries. Okay. I simply said, I asked Billy, question seven, it's on my website, did something like a missile hit the Pentagon on 9-11? And Billy's answer, and this came from Pata, I'm pretty sure, no, what hurtled into the Pentagon on 9-11 was a passenger plane. This plane was American Airlines Flight 77, which as a morning flight should have been flown from Washington Dulles International Airport to Los Angeles International Airport, however, on September 11th, 2001, shortly after takeoff, the plane fell victim to a terror attack and was hijacked and abducted and then steered into the Pentagon, as a result of which all 64 people on board, as well as 125 people on the ground, died. Now, I know, folks, a lot of people say, well, where is this? this? Where's the enemy? I don't have a dog in this, you know, fight either. Understood. You know, uh, there is a fairly recently, within the last two months, there were photographs released, supposedly, you know, at the Pentagon, showing engines on the ground and other artifacts from the American flag. Was that faked? I don't know. Here's the thing: on the on what brought down the um, twin towers, Meyer said it was a there there was a, a explosives on board that were liquid somehow. He did not go into detail. Interestingly enough, a guy involved in the Meyer case, who's a photographer and everything else in Japan, sent me an article about a building in Iran. There was a very tall skyscraper in Iran. I didn't see any photos, but it was described. This was a big, big deal a few years ago. That building came down much the same way one of the twin, you know, or either of the Twin Towers did, looking like a controlled demolition, but it was... Ah, And I'm so glad you you mentioned that because this is a perfect time to jump in here really quickly and say just recently there was an article a few days ago. It's about a CIA agent that confesses on his deathbed that they or I quote, we blew up World Trade Center 7 on 9-11. Right. Yes. Did did you see that article? I saw a headline for it. Yeah, Malcolm Malcolm Howard is the guy's name. Right. And he talked about. Um, being involved in the controlled demolition of World Trade Center 7, the third building that was destroyed on 9-11. And, and of course, this guy, CIA agent, he worked there for 36 years, right. and he's basically claiming that we had a hand in this. And if you look at that footage, it, it is very interesting. And, of course, I've talked to people like uh, Richard Gage, who uh, talks all about, about Building 7. Very interesting stuff. He, of course, is affiliated with architects and, and uh, uh, engineers, I believe it's called, architects and engineers for 9-11. I think that's yeah, right. I've heard of these groups, and I'm not at all that well-informed about them, just to tell you the truth. No worries, no worries. It's all fun fun stuff to speculate. Well, I don't mean it by being fun, but very interesting. Yeah, a mental you know, exercise. Right, right. But you know what I'll do? I'll send you somebody today 
sent me links to three articles on building seven, strangely enough, and I haven't had the time to look at any of them. So I'll let you do that. Sure. You could have a, have a shot at that and find out what the heck that, that's about. But, uh, I, you know, when, when, when I heard him say that, I remember we have to pull building seven, wait a minute, pull it. That's a controlled demolition. So Bernstein, I, you know, I yes. would argue with that. And we didn't ask Meyer about building seven. So, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if they would have an answer on that or not. Uh, I think it's, that, that sounds to me like, again, with inside knowledge on these kinds of things, all sorts of things may well have been set in motion and they made sure that certain things happened so that, uh. Not, Go- not Goldstein. I meant Larry Silverstein Sil- said that. Larry Silverstein. Right. He's the one who said pull it. Yeah. I remember, I saw that interview originally. I actually remember seeing that interview and I remember him saying that. I went, what? He just, he just said that he just said that yeah. you take a building out. Right. You can't just take a building out. It's got to be wired for explosives. Yeah. So, you know, on that, Very fascinating, whole, yes. I think it's interesting. I don't know if we'll ever know officially the whole truth. Uh, I think Myers, you know, I would say Myers scientifically Meyer has never been wrong. It doesn't mean they couldn't be, but you know, you get this kind of stuff where you go, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. So until, you know, until other things are established to show that they're wrong, I go, well, decide for yourself. Well, do you believe you're going to say Meyer that that's true? I, I don't know. That's what I say to people. I know the Meyer case is authentic. I can prove it, which means you can prove it, but I don't know if everything in it is true. I can't prove or disprove everything. The important stuff anybody can prove. And if we can get our heads out of the ground long enough, we might be able to, you know, find ways to survive and be of use to ourselves and each other thanks to the Meyer case. Certainly not thanks to the UFO community, the media, the the experts, the this, the that, mm, the other right. thing. Yes. So, Michael, we are coming to a close here. I believe I've taken enough of your precious time, to be honest. (laughs) So, Michael, I do want to thank you very, very much. It's always an honor and pleasure to talk to you. And before I let you leave, please go ahead and plug anything you want, perhaps a new book, perhaps that appearance you were uh, speaking about recently or before we began uh, your appearance in New York. Yeah, well, that New York appearance will be in October, so... Uh, I have the information in my blog, and I'll be putting it up, you know, a couple weeks beforehand for sure. I I haven't mentioned this much at all on the show, but we do have the new final edition translation of the Talmud Emmanuel, the original teaching of Emmanuel, the man who was falsely known as a non-existent person, whose name was given as Jesus Christ, a human being who never existed, walked the earth, or for whom there is any historical record. There was a man named Emmanuel. That is the man whose life forms the basis of the Jesus Christ myth, a man who survived the crucifixion and other things. He was a contactee of the play Aaron. He was one of the seven prophets in this lineage. We have this book, which is mind-blowing. You will learn, among other things, 17 female disciples. How Emmanuel actually did heal people when he healed them and he didn't do the magic that a lot of people think he did. Those times he didn't or couldn't heal people. What he truly did teach 
what happened to him, how he survived the crucifixion, where he and his mother and others went after the crucifixion, who he married, how many children they had, what happened to his teaching, the truth about Judas Ishkariath, who was not the betrayer, but was his trusted scribe. This stuff is so, so mind-boggling. And the final translation was done with the help of Meyer and the Playaren and their linguists so that they could bring forward accurate information, the true translation of the document that Meyer co-discovered, 1963 or 4, in this ancient, ancient tomb in old Jerusalem. So while we haven't touched on that very much, if at all, in our discussions, and we certainly can if you ever want to. Oh, yeah. I hardly recommend people. This book will blow your mind. Well, we'll do this again. No, no worries. Goody, goody. Sure. Wonderful. So if, was there any other question that you thought we should get to? Because if you have one or anything, fine. And if not, it's okay too. Any way you want. Well, there, there's so much. I, I had so much more to ask you, but again, I'm looking at the time here and I, I definitely want to hit a break and follow protocol tonight, but definitely sure. will have you on again in, in the very, very near future. We'll go over much more of the questions I forgot and much more questions that, uh, that came forward after asking you some of these questions I did tonight. Wonderful. By the way, did you ever have a guy who calls himself Ra something or other in your show? Ah, uh, um, yes. I, I've been trying to um, keep myself separated from entities of that nature who are parasitic in, in the way they conduct themselves by oftentimes mentioning my name or mentioning the program in, in a way that they try to uh, lobby uh, for for guests, I, I guess you can say. Okay, okay. I just thought I'd ask you publicly. I'm glad you did. I mean, I'm I'm flattered by all these people out there who often uh, try to imitate. Well, they do imitate the program often, but yeah. they could never duplicate this uh, gem of a program we have here. And you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them. They want to be like top talent. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, you. I'm not going to, you know, shower you, but you do really run a straight ahead, sequential, logical interview and discussion. It's not simply, you know, ask somebody and just get there. You, you discuss stuff and you're familiar enough with the material to make the discussion interesting. So you can take it in a direction. And I appreciate that for one. I'm sure your other guests do too. And that's, you know, for me, that makes it, makes it very interesting. And, uh, yeah, somewhere in the near furniture, we can do another, uh, you know, one, two, three, or ten, inter- whatever you like. Hell yes. Well, well, Michael, you already know you're an affiliate here on the program. Oh, yeah. I'm affiliate. Yeah, that means you're going to be here quite often. Good. Count me in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Michael, once again, thank you for being on the program. Loved having you here. Um, but, of course, I, I do want to leave you with a final word, as always. Oh, me. I was waiting yeah, for your no, final no. word. That's, no, the final <laughs> word is always the guest. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, well, I, I want you to send me the link for when you put it up so I can share it with my audience and through my blog and everything, and I really appreciate it. I, I hope that the people who listen now, meaning either when the show is live or listening to the recorded part, will be you know have their thinking provoked. They are free to send me emails challenges, questions, or whatever. Most important is that people think for themselves these days and try to get 
connected to good, solid, logical, truthful information and like-minded people so as to forge a future for themselves and each other. And that isn't set out of fear. It's set out of there will be survivors to any rough times. And let's be among them. Let's work together. And thank you for giving me this, you know, platform and format to share this information and discuss things with you. Well, you're very, very welcome, Michael. And I do thank you very much for recognizing fellow top talent. And we definitely have that top talent bond here, which I know lots of people can't really recognize uh, yet. Uh, well, we, you know, we, we really have to remember that we all are in it together and we may not like everybody, but ultimately at the bottom of it, it, we have to kind of learn to love each other, even if we have to be at a distance from it. And I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we must embrace that part. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so well, funny. It, here's to us and here's to the future for everybody. Uh, yes. So, Michael, again, God bless, and we'll speak soon. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was my guest, Michael Horn, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, I'm going to go on a little break. And when I return, I have a lot of things to say. I wasn't going to do this, but now I'm thinking, well, now I'm triggered. So let's go for round two. Yes, hello, it's Maxime Bergeron-Falardeau. I have tried uh, a couple of times, uh, at least a dozen times, to uh, call during the show. Uh, Michael Deacon, uh, while he was interviewing Michael Horn. And um, I'm just trying again now, and it uh, seems to... doesn't work. Uh, I'm a French Canadian, and I'm a bit uh, nervous because I have never called at any uh, show. But uh, I enjoyed the previous show, and I also talked briefly with Michael um, right after the the, the show. And uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, to participate a little bit, but uh, I was unable. Also, I'm not used to the Skype, so I am gonna hang out, hang up, hang up, hang up. Salut, bye bye. And welcome back to the program. My goodness, what a long break that was. I did need it, though. I was triggered there at the very end of that interview with Michael Horn. He mentioned a name I haven't heard in a while. Ah, yes. (laughs) You know, there's a lot I can say, but I won't for once. I'll just stay quiet. I'm just not entirely surprised to hear that. I just wish that person would get some help. I really do. It's true. Always so nice to see so many of you still locked in. Thank you for being here with me tonight yet again. I've done this for nearly five years now. Maybe even longer. Maybe even longer if you count a few other things I was involved uh, with in the past. That's quite astonishing. I do hope you enjoyed that break. I really did need it. And by the way, I was receiving emails and uh, messages... On Twitter, I think it was, right-hand side of my screen was going off. I'm pretty sure those were emails, however. People were asking if they could call in. Well, this is a call-in show. I'm not exactly sure why you're so shy. That number is 760-332-8947. Or you can use Skype. End of day's mic. Don't be too scared now. Don't be scared. I also must thank my first advertiser. That's Ocotillo Liquor. Here in El Centro, California, where I'm located, 
I know what you're thinking. You must be an alcoholic. No, I'm not. I don't even really drink that often. I'm not a big drinker, folks. I'm not. However, this spot here is really the only place I could find the certain selection of IPAs that I enjoy drinking. Speaking of which, I, I should mention once I reach a certain number I'm looking for, I'll be doing this program while drinking one of those IPAs. And I invite you all to do the very same thing. Yeah, do the same thing. Go ahead and drink along with me. I'm not exactly sure if that's the, the best idea, but that's what I plan to do. So moving forward here, several months back, I told you about the allegations of one Michael Jackson. I believe that was back in episode 31. I'm a big fan of his. He's a musical genius. Let's be real here. And I did mention on this program that there were allegations of him being involved in some sort of highly orchestrated and very sophisticated child sex ring. I'm not the one making those allegations. Not the first one that put that out there. Let, let's be perfectly clear here. Now, this article goes on to say, Wade Robson, a choreographer who filed a child abuse claim against Michael Jackson's estate back in 2013, has filed a new negligence claim against two companies owned by the king of pop, MJ Productions and MJJ Ventures, according to documents E! News has obtained. The new complaint alleged 10 years of abuse, which it claims was fostered by the companies who employed both Robson and Jackson, that's MJJ Productions and MJJ Ventures, were held out to the public to be business dedicated to businesses dedicated to creating and distributing multimedia entertainment by Michael Jackson. However, in fact, they actually serve dual purposes. Robson's attorney, Vince Finaldi, wrote in the complaint filed that the thinly veiled covert second purpose of these businesses was to operate as a child sexual abuse operation specifically designed to locate, attract, lure, and seduce child sexual abuse victims. I believe uh, Jordan Chandler, who back in 1993 received some sort of million-dollar payoff, like $20 million payoff, actually, all this happened allegedly at the singer's Neverland Ranch. Of course, lawyers are looking for Wade Robson, one of the many children who believe were molested. It's really terrible to even say this sort of thing on the air. I have a lot of respect for one Michael Jackson. I really do. And I know a lot of people out there were very, very angry when I was talking about all of these things. All of this stuff is out there. You could look it up yourself. I just felt I couldn't just sit here and not remind you all about these things. I said it on the program. Once that new movie gets closer and closer to release, we'll be seeing a lot more of these things come to the surface. And we're, we're actually, we're starting to see this. Robson, who says he was abused dozens of times by the pop star during his trips. He's one of the three plaintiffs making these claims and related lawsuits against Jackson's companies who are being under fire. I believe he is now 34 years old, Wade Robson, who's claiming Jackson and his employees worked in concert to arrange his private meetings with underage fans covering travel expenses and, of course, showering the youngsters with gifts. Trial is set for March 
And I'm extremely interested to see what, what happens here. We'll see. It's all very interesting stuff. We'll find out, folks. I also want to say thank you so much, all those people who tuned in from those strange parts of the country out there. I, I never imagined would actually tune in. I saw some new ones. I saw some new countries, folks. It was, it was uh, insane. Michael Horn brought in all sorts of people tonight, and I really appreciate that. Also, I want to mention um, I had given my personal nod to Nevada for legalizing marijuana. I think that's fantastic. And now there's some sort of shortage going on out there. It's really interesting to see. Very, very interesting to see. And I'm looking at the clock here. And yes, I know it's very late, very late. And of course, I'm going to wrap it up here in a second. I just want to say thank you all so much for being here with me tonight. I do have plenty more to say, but I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off and say much more the next time you hear me about these strange parasites who like to manifest themselves in my life. It's very unusual, but again, I'm not surprised. Not at all. If you're listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. at specific standard time, 11 p.m. Eastern time, live on the TuneIn radio app. If you enjoy this program and want to help fund this project, go to michaeldeacon.com. This program completely depends on its listeners. That means you sitting there listening right now. Share this with your family and friends. Oh, yes. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like a official How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. I'm gonna keep it real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. You guys are, you guys are really good. Yeah, Mr. Bruce said. That son of a bitch. I, I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the bus, and there's a couple of kids. You don't see having your phone. I'm well rounded. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfucker?